This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome to Spice Bags, where three opinionated ladies, Blanca, May and me, Dee, have a dish about food in Ireland from an international perspective. Hi, welcome to Spice Bags. Uh, we are the award-winning podcast co-hosted by Blanca Valencia, Dee Laffin and May Chin. We're not just passionate about food, we're passionate about all the people behind it. And we cover everything from Venezuelan tequeños to dim sum, tapioca, baklava, and cover conversations with fascinating people in the Irish food industry. We also have lighthearted chats about our favorite topics like kitchens and cookbooks. So tune in and listen and discover your favorite flavor. In this episode today, we're having a discussion about Lunar New Year with our co-host, Mei Chin, who is dialing in from San Francisco. And we will have a discussion about kitchens with the women behind the account Foodstagram. Um, they're called Ira and Jelly, and they'll be joining us here in the studio. Um, so let's let's start the, the episode, Dee. Well, first of all, Mei Chin, are you with us from San Francisco? Hi, guys. Hi, how Can are you? Um, it is one thirty in the morning here, so um, you know, a little thanks tired. For, thanks for staying up. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like in San Francisco at the moment? Is it beautiful? There's, is there sun, May? Is there sun? So much sunshine. One forgets that the sky can actually be a particular color of blue. Mm. You know, until you get out of Ireland. <laughs> oh. Well, enjoy yourself and and do us a favor and eat all the food while you're over there. I'm sure you've been having some amazing food. There's so much good Asian food and so much good Mexican food. So Mm. that's what I've been. I'm like taco, 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 sushi, sushi, sushi. And then, you know, I'll have some dim sum. So not not bad life. (laughs) Have you noticed, do San Francisco do any sort of Lunar New Year celebrations or anything? It's very, it's, um, it's usually huge here because there's such a massive um, Chinese community and um, East Asian community, but it's quite quiet right now because of Omicron. Oh yeah, of course. Um, so oh, normally, that thing. Yeah, yeah, that thing, right? So normally, um, especially in the neighborhood where I um, I stay with my brother, um, it's mostly Chinese, and so normally you can feel like the New Year sort of the you know everyone hanging stuff out, people going out shopping, um, old ladies telling you off for wearing the wrong colors. Um, <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, so it's much quieter this year. Well, we're so looking forward to chatting about Lunar New Year as we kind of do every year around this time. But we're especially um, looking forward to talking to you about the Dublin New Year, Lunar New Year Festival um, sponsoring this uh, episode of the podcast. We're delighted to be working with them. Um, the festival was founded in 2008 here in Dublin. Um, you know, known as the Dublin Chinese New Year back then. But I guess this is the first year that it's been called Dublin Lunar New Year. And that really reflects the growing diversity of different countries in Ireland that celebrate this holiday. Um, The programme is huge. It's so amazing. Um, You have to check out all the different events that are happening. And we're going to be talking about those a little bit later in the show. Um, But they have a mission to celebrate, promote and deepen the understanding of the Asian and Irish relationship by presenting this annual festival of arts and culture and just to also exchange the the exchange that brings, you know, traditional and contemporary ideas together together in this innovative and exciting way. 
um, I suppose the you know the changing of the name really does just broaden and grow its engagement with all the communities like we try to do here in Spice Bags as well um, and the communities that celebrate the Lunar New Year you know it's a, a lot of the East Asian countries but um, in particular China Vietnam Korea Singapore and Malaysia and Taiwan but there are many more people who celebrate it from different countries just themselves as well so um The festival is looking forward to bringing this big program to everybody. And you can check out all the details on DublinLunarNewYear.ie. But now we will have our own little discussion for anyone who's listening going Lunar New Year. Guys, you've already lost me. Uh, Let's just talk a little bit about what it is. First of all, uh, everyone might know, maybe they might know the Chinese New Year is always represented by an animal. And this year is the year of the tiger. So I don't know if anyone, my best friend just had a baby. So her baby will be, baby Harry is going to be a tiger baby. Uh, but what does that mean? Guys, do you have any little tips or what? what's good about the tiger? I was, I was going to say uh, my mother is a tiger and my niece is a tiger. So tiger um, symbol is very close to my heart. They're very Are- arrogant. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's also um, in the Zodiac, um, you know, tigers and dragons are the most badass signs to be. Oh, right? well, like, yeah, well, and you like, just happen to be a dragon, right? Yeah. I am a dragon. Like, There's know, that like, arrogance going through. A dog. <laughs> I'm a rooster. What's good, what's good about the rooster? Well, um, roosters are it's like one of the most clever signs. But if you Obviously. say to somebody who doesn't know the Chinese zodiac, it's like, I'm a rooster or I'm a chicken. Like they might go, oh, you know, not so much. But if you say tiger or dragon, it's pretty much universally recognized as badass. Blanca, do you know what? Um, I'm a pig. I'm <laughs> a lucky again. one. <laughs> and also because I love eating. So I mean, I'm maybe our signs are very fitting <laughs> towards us. I think I'm a pig as well sometimes. I mean, a lot of the time. But um, let's get into the food side of things and traditions, because that's what Lunar New Year has beautiful traditions and foods linked with it. Um, also, when you compare and contrast the different ones from different countries and then look at like countries like Ireland and Spain and Christmas foods and things like that, there's just... Um, it's a really interesting thing. May, do you want to start us off on some of the traditions and foods? Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I love is is how really the the, the foods are quite different from country to country. And so, um, so in Vietnam, you have something called ban tet, uh, which is, um, and I'm probably mangling the pronunciation, so I apologize. It's this pork belly with mung bean wrapped in glutinous rice and steamed in a banana leaf. That's um, and now. It's so delicious. I and, love a, um, I love a mung bean as well. I just kind of discovered them in the last few years. I don't. I think I had never had them before, and I really like them. Yeah, they're really good. And also, um, but the one thing is, is tet is means slice to slice because you're, you're slicing this roll. But it's also a homonym for the new year, and that's something that I think um, runs true for a lot of uh, lunar new year foods. Is this idea of homonyms or puns? Um, so, um, so Tet in Vietnamese means New Year, but it also means slice. Can you explain uh, that a little bit better? I think um, it's something that's very common in Chinese. But um, how, like, so for example, if you have a word and it sounds exactly the same as another word, people kind of do like you're saying a pun. So it's yes, like can you I was explain on, I the was fish? I was unfamiliar with the term. I had to look yeah. it up. Yeah, can you? I was. Oh, yeah, I can. I can give you many examples. So, for instance, um, on the Chinese table, uh, in certain Chinese tables, right, it's more in the south and central. You always have a whole fish. 
So in Chinese, the word for fish is yu, um, but yu means fortune. And so in Chinese New Year, everyone says to each other, nian nian yu. So every year, may you have, oh, sorry, it's not fortune, it's surplus. Sorry about that, guys. Um, so nian nian yu. Um, every year, may you have a little bit of surplus of wealth, right? Oh, so and because okay. of that, you always have a fish. Um, and I was also thinking about certain New Year foods that you only see on New Year. And, um, and one of them is um, this, let me just say it's called, um, it's seaweed, right? And it's okay. called fa cai, which literally means hair vegetable. And <laughs> it looks like human hair, right? Um, and um, it, so the not, word is kind of representative it, of the food, as you said. It's kind of a pun of the food, but also the meaning no, of the the meaning is kind of part the meaning of it. is kind of so 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 with the fa cai right, which is the um, hair vegetable. Fa cai also means to gain prosperity, right? So and so yeah, so it's the sound of the word. Oh, okay. It sounds like something else. Like it sounds like you know all these prosperous luck surplus things, right? So, um, the character for surplus is different from the character for fish, but they sound the same. So that's why you're having the fish on the table because it represents surplus. Okay. So and ear, right? And so fa cai, the hairy vegetable, um, which is pretty disgusting. You have that on the New Year's table because fa cai uh, means um, to gain prosperity. Wow. And so the Chinese say gong xi fa cai, right? It means um, happy New Year and gain prosperity. So fa cai and fa cai um, have that similarity. Yeah. And so that's why you, that's why you basically have like what looks like a wig on many Chinese tables, wow. especially in the South. Yeah. That's so cool. And what about, um, Blanca, I think you were going to talk about a, a dish from Singapore. Well, there's a dish from, from Singapore. I can't pronounce it, but um, in English, it's called prosperity noodles or prosperity toss. How would you pronounce it, May? Yu Chang? Well, it's actually... Well, it's actually um, it just means raw fish. Raw fish. Yeah. Uh, oh, shang, yeah. yeah. Yushang. And I think it's again yu because of um, because of this idea of surplus, right? Yu fish surplus. Okay. So this so dish. That's why. Oh, sorry. This dish is just a magical dish. Um, and it's also very different to the normal Chinese tradition because it has raw fish and Chinese people don't really eat a lot of raw food. But it's like raw vegetables and and fish and you toss it with chopsticks and that brings you um, luck. And it's very colorful and beautiful and very glamorous. I'd love to to have that um, in you, a restaurant in Dublin. You used to live in China, didn't you? Yeah. Did you celebrate the Chinese yeah, New Year there? Yeah, and it was crazy uh fun but one thing and and you know we don't have time to talk about it it's all the firecrackers and all that how do yeah. you like the um, oh fireworks yeah fireworks yeah. and it, they go on for days and you oh, can't really? sleep oh, and wow. um well, it reminds not the, me not yeah. the not sleeping but i do love a good firework <laughs> they're they're beautiful but it's very intense and um because i was in northern china in dalian i can't me Dalian, um, <laughs> Dalian. In Liaoning province, we yeah, did yeah. a lot of dumplings. But one of my favorite anecdotes is, you know, you go places and you make dumplings and you can do that here in, in Dublin. Um, so you make them and they're kind of like not amazing. So then the restaurant or the hotel will 
get yours, bring them, throw them out, and then bring these beautifully made ones. So I, that always made me laugh that, you know. Oh, we, that's, an, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, they're like, oh, you're happened. really crap at dumplings, so we're going to just bring new ones. But I love jiaozi. Um, um, they're they're made with this um, herb like called juicai. May how how do you pronounce that? Juicai. Yeah. Juicai. It's like a Chinese chive. It's gor- the flavor of that is gorgeous and with pork and it's and people put also like a coin in them um, for mm. good luck. So they're they're a lot of fun and people always do this whether it's in work or you know with friends. It's almost like get together and make it together. So it's a, a beautiful tradition. I was also going to say, too, though, that um, I think one of the things about Chinese New Year is ultimately it's about being at home, right? You have a lot of, you know, you'll you'll get together in the office and you'll do all these things. But ultimately, it's about people traveling, like often from far distances to come home. And in China, you'll have two weeks and the shops will shut, two weeks off and the shops will shut. um, And a lot of restaurants are closed. So it's not um, a holiday for going out. Is there any other uh, f- foods from other countries that stand out or that we should mention? Korea? I love the Korean duck. Mm. Um, Blanca, yeah, Blanca, I you love duck as well. <laughs> they're more they're, of an acquired taste, I would say. And they're sliced. Blanca, you're much better at sometimes explaining food, but they're sliced rice cakes. Um, they're probably maybe about, I would say, two inches in diameter. Um, very chewy. And um, and I would say during New Year, the Koreans like to boil it in like a like a beef broth, um, and they are an acquired taste. Mm. They're so um, dense, but yeah, they're really are really they dense. Chewy? Yeah, chewy Sound and chewy. dense. Yeah. Um, definitely, my my daughters are not fans because it is very dense, but it's delicious. It's like really cramming a lot of rice flour together. Um, yeah, but I I really like them. I especially like them. The you know the spicier the better. Mm. Um, there's also just I've noticed too there's a lot of glutinous or sticky rice um, throughout like in different countries for New Year and I don't know why that is Um, and you know and then China the sort of New Year cake is called Nian Gao so again Nian means year Gao means to elevate but also means cake and also Nian means sticky so did everyone get that so Nian means year and sticky Gal means elevate and cake. Oh, I so, see, yeah. So, you know, like elevated year and sticky cake. And that's also like glutinous rice and it's super sticky. Um, it's like eating like a big like brown sugar mochi. Mm, I don't know nice. if you know much this. Yeah, it's mm. really good. May, yeah. can you talk about Hong Bao? That's my favorite tradition. <laughs> I think that the great thing about Lunar New Year is, is everyone is overt that it's about money, <laughs> right? Like, right? Like, it's like you know, Christmas. They all try to dress it up. It's like, oh, love, we love you. Like, we're giving presents. Like, Lunar New Year is like, no man, it's about money. Kids, here, have some cash. And everyone's, you know, playing like the children are learning how to play dice. Like they're all these like variations of gambling games that go on too. But Hongbao is a red envelope that is given to you by your elders. And this is in Korea, it's in Vietnam, it's in Taiwan, it's in China. And in that red envelope contains cash. Depends on the country, depends on the family. Sometimes you know, you have to do this big to do about like showing respect to the elder who gives it to you. You have to do a big bow. Um, or, you know, you just get it. And also, but, can um, I... It is the highlight of every child's New Year. Can I say in WeChat, 
um, which is the equivalent of WhatsApp, you can send these to people automatically and you get a message and all of a sudden these red envelopes like are in your phone and you get automatic cash on WeChat. So I love that. Um, and um, you for work, people get that from their bosses also. They get these Hongbaos. Um, May, can you also talk about the color red just quickly? Um, it's a, Yeah, it's a lucky color. Um, also, um, during New Year, uh, do not wear black and white. Um, those are colored warning. So red is, I think, the universal Chinese lucky color. Um, I did want to say um, that the year of the tiger is unlucky for tigers. Um, I oh. think it's some cosmic balance thing, right? So it is unlucky for tigers. It's unlucky also if you have um, born in the year of the monkey, born in the year of the snake. Um, but anyway, if it is your unlucky year, um, people sometimes wear red underwear for the entire year. Uh-huh. That's I mean, <laughs> oh, wow, I've never had red underwear. Well, um, I just wanted to bring us back to the Dublin festivities and um, to talk again about uh, the program that's on just to highlight some of the events. Um, Dublin New Lunar New Year IE is the website. Um, I have to, first of all, mention our own event. I mean, I'm sorry, just to skip straight to the <laughs> to that. But we are holding um, an event on Sunday, the 6th of February in Kishing Restaurant on Wicklow Street in Dublin, too. And it is the Lunar New Year dim sum and tea party with us, the Spice Bag Girls. Um, It's going to be so much fun. We're just going to have a really lovely afternoon with um, beautiful food from Kishing. Some of them New Year delicacies, dim sum bits, uh, food menu that May has put together with them. And then myself and Blanca are going to talk also about tea. Uh, Blanca, I know you're a tea aficionado, isn't that right? I love um, Chinese and Taiwanese tea. It's we'll be talking about that on all the traditions and tea pets. How you need to get I some love tea, the pets. tea pets. They're <laughs> so cool. And I also just bring it back to Ireland a little bit, connecting with talking about the journey and history of tea in Ireland um, as well. So it's going to be a really lovely afternoon. We hope you can join us. It's forty euro ticket, and you can get the link. It's on Eventbrite, but you can also find it on our social media as well. But just to highlight some of the other events that are happening, there's lots of food events happening. The Guinness Storehouse are turning the storehouse red for Lunar New Year, which is lovely. Um, They also have some uh, uh, Chinese curated or Chinese style menu in their uh, restaurant in there in the 1837 restaurant. And that's um, with Hakanan restaurant in Stony Batter. They've worked with them on that menu with some of the uh, New Year dishes on the menu. So and they've got other things happening. So definitely check that out with them. There's a Chinese New Year banquet at Duck on Fade Street. Um, There is also Jaru, the guys, the Korean cuisine, uh, explore Korean cuisine with the guys from Jaru. Um, Jaru just do the most amazing food. So Gunmu there is going to be doing um, family style meal boxes. There's a dumpling party in the Asian market. In fact, there's actually a few different things happening in the Asian market on Drury Street and out in Ballymount. One of the other things that's happening is Sham Hanifa, a Malaysian chef. He is going to shop and cook in the Asian market. So you can go shopping with him, see the different uh, ingredients, which we love because we love our shopping guides, as you know, from our website. Um, So go shopping with Sham and then he's going to show you how to cook up some of the ingredients with some dishes. 
Um, there's also an online cooking demo in the Chester BD with Eva from the Asian market and um, lots of other things, to be honest. There's, you know, exploring ancient Canton with the Good World restaurant. Um, there is the Chinese New Year night market, which is really beautiful. That's out in Ballymount this year. Um, so look, I mean, and they're just the food parts, we should just say. There are also beautiful events that are organized around the just the traditions art exhibitions, lots of kids events as well, where you can draw, learn to draw tigers or go visit the tigers in the mu- in the zoo. I was going to say the museum in the zoo um, and l- just lots of fun workshops and things. So make sure and check it out. It's all on DublinLunarNewYear.ie. May, I think we're going to be saying goodbye to you now because it is getting close to 2 a.m. and we really appreciate you calling us and to chat uh, but we're going to be joined by Ira and Jelly now so May we'll say goodbye to you and we'll goodbye. chat we'll see you soon I'm in studio in. <laughs> and uh, as the Chinese say Gong Shi Fa Tai Gong Shi Fa, Gong Shi fa Tai I probably insulted someone <laughs> there by year. saying something completely different <laughs> Happy New Year Bye, Happy New Year Happy New Year I'll see you guys soon see you soon Bye Bye I wanted to tell you guys about a podcast uh, called Double Love, and this is a Sweet Valley High podcast. It's hosted by Anna and Karen, and they guide us through the sensational 1980s book series. I remember watching this with my sister, who was much younger, on TV. Yeah. And um, I went back and I looked at, because we're talking about kitchens, I went back and I looked at their kitchen from the 90s, and I was shocked at how, even though it looked pretty glamorous back then, now it looks so pedestrian and yeah. like just not glamorous at all. There but, was girls in my class who were obsessed with Sweet Valley High, yeah. like you know, reading the books. Yeah. My sister was obsessed with the TV series, not the mm-hmm. books. Um, anyway, we recommend that you listen to that podcast. It's lots of fun and it's part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. Double Love is a podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. Join me, Anna Carey. And me, Karen Moynihan. As we revisit one of the maddest series of books ever written or ghostwritten. If you ever read about Elizabeth and Jessica, the perfect blonde Wakefield twins, then you might enjoy listening to us absolutely tearing them to shreds. Affectionately, of course. Of course. And even if you didn't, there's still plenty of drama, kidnapping, stolen boyfriends and school dances to entertain you. Find us on the Headstuff Podcast Network and wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, really fun. They kind of um, explore the whole world in a really fun way. It sounds absolutely amazing. Um, but we are joined in studio now by Jelly and Ira from uh, foodstagram.ie. Hi, girls. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> we're so happy to have you in. Um, we're big fans of your Instagram and your TikTok videos. Um, for anyone who doesn't know foodstagram.ie, it is a blog, Instagram, social media platform that the girls set up. Um, and it the reason we really love it is just we love your it's very different from anything else I feel we have in Ireland. You really touch on a lovely um, exploration of shopping and just eating out and your own recipes as well. And I know that was we'll talk about that was a bit about a COVID. You did more cooking at home, but that was lovely to see as well. Your own influences and your own loves and passions for food. Um, but I think you have a very unique perspective on what's happening out there right now with food and the best places to go. 
also your TikToks are just amazing and your reels <laughs> like I sound like such an owl one saying I'm still getting a hand on the reels <laughs> but I just don't use them as much as I would just post photographs but I love going onto your page and watching all your reels so you'll have to tell us all about that first of all tell us a little bit about when it started how it started and because you guys are really great friends right have you known each other long or how did that start? yeah so we've actually known each other for over a decade now yeah um and since we were in college we've always loved going to like new restaurants and even like cooking at home bringing it to college i mean uh, we went to different colleges but jelly would always come over <laughs> to to my college and she'd yeah. bring me lunch or we'd go out and try out new places um so i think that was pretty much the starting point of our food blog we launched it in 2019 and mm-hmm. um, we didn't think it was going to be anything more than, you know, just a platform for us to share our experiences. But today it's it's gone so big. I mean, in our opinion, anyways. No, I have the, you've kindly said, I have the uh, statistics here. I was like amazing. So you, you in March, um, was this March this year or la- sorry, I'm still living in the past. <laughs> March 2021. You posted a TikTok video about Dublin's best dessert and it featured the cannoli, which I mean, I yeah. am obsessed with in Toonsbridge. And it reached nearly a third of the population in Dublin. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. And you also have gained like nearly 14,000 followers and surpassed, surpassed 100,000 likes on the platform. I mean, that's that's not shabby. That's really, really yeah. good, isn't it? <laughs> For someone that started on the TikTok you know, phase, like we did not think that it would go that far like we're there in the platform less than a year yeah so it's crazy to think that one video could reach that much people in Dublin I think as well is that there's an appetite for your content not just I mean in videos like people do love videos and definitely video content is starting to really be picked up but I think the way you present it's really nicely edited they're like short little reviews um and also the different places that you go to I mean obviously your love of Asian different cuisines and places you often find somewhere that I haven't heard about Mm -hmm. or you know I'm dying to go to and you'll already have been there visited before everybody else so I love that you have your finger on the pulse in terms of that let tell us a little bit about yourself um so Jelly where are you from originally because you have a lovely backstory as well yeah so um I'm Filipino that's my background yeah I was born and raised in Singapore and then my family moved here when I was 10 years old amazing yeah and uh Ira you're from I am also Filipino, but okay. I, I was born in Dubai and I lived in Philippines for a couple of years. And then yeah. I pretty much grew up here. So yes, this is home. But, you know, the Asian influence is always strong in our family. Yeah, it's <laughs> lovely. And I think I, I, you sent us, which we're going to put on our website. I can't wait for you guys to read it. A beautiful our Q&A getting to know you and all about your family kind of traditions and um, we actually just did an episode on Filipino cuisine mm-hmm. with um, Richie. Um, from Baha'i, I'm probably pronouncing that really badly. Baha'i, so. yeah. Baha'i. Yeah. Do you do you know him? Do you know his cuisine? Do you yeah. like or his food? Do you like it? We're familiar with um, Baha'i actually, but we still haven't tried it up to this day, which is a shame. I think that uh, Filipino cuisine seems to be growing here in popularity among everybody. So do you think that there's a lot more? Have you guys discovered more places here? In terms of Filipino yeah. food, um, there's not really a lot. Um, so that's why I think Baha'i um, really stood out is because he's one of the f- only few Filipino like restaurants, 
um, in Dublin. Yeah. Um, Are there any other? There used to be a bakery. Did we there, just there's, there, there's a couple of bakeries. Gold Ribbon yeah. would be the bakery. Oh, yeah. They're just phenomenal. Yeah. Their Uba cake, their Pandan cake. Their Hobbya yes. is also very yeah. delicious. My parents love that place, though. Yeah. And they sell also in the Filipino stores. Yes. Yeah. 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 In the one in Dunleary, I always get the different, like, pan de sal yeah. or the bean yeah. bread. Yeah. They're really lovely. In your family, or mm-hmm. was it your mom or your dad, or that did most of the cooking? Um, in my family, it's actually my dad, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, but my mom is definitely, you know, yeah. like a backseat chef. <laughs> Can tell my dad how to cook things, but um, no, I think one of my favorite dishes growing up. Um, this I don't know if you guys have known, but it's called beef steak, or in Tagalog, it's bistec. Um, it's basically um, beef that's simmered in like a soy sauce, a little bit of vinegar, and it's like really tender and it's so good with warm rice and oh. you pour on the sauce. It's just, it's so, so good. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's really good. And, you know, it's a shame, as what Jelly said, we don't really have a lot of Filipino food or repre- Filipino yeah. representation in terms of like our cuisine. So um, hopefully in the next couple yeah. of years, Richie, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And do you have any favorite dishes from your family that you love to cook as well? Um, I don't cook a lot of Filipino food. Um, yeah. And the main thing, like I do know how to cook Filipino food, but I can never get it to the same level as my mom's, oh, yeah. oh, which is mm-hmm. why I never like try that much because I know yeah. I'll never be the same. Um, my mom's a housewife, so yeah. um, her food is amazing. She's perfected every Filipino recipe. Oh, maybe she needs yeah. to open a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, <Mine is> over. <laughs> um, what what do you love to do? You love to cook, or what do you like? Yeah, to cook? I do like to cook, but I don't cook um, as often. Yeah. Um, I this is why like I have food Instagram. I eat out a lot more often yeah. than I cook. So um, that's the way I showcase it. When you go out to eat, do you like to discover, always try new places or do you just go back to? Um, I always try to like go to different places, yeah. but for some reason, I always gravitate towards Asian food. Yeah. Um, mm. So you'll see it on food Instagram. We always have like all the, we always have Asian food yeah. on our page. But yeah, we try to, branch out and try different food everyone's mm-hmm. like that I mean I, I think we all Asian we all food. want to branch out and we yeah. try every now and again but we all have, go back to what we love don't yeah. we yeah. So. but I love Asian oh, I, me too yeah like especially Chinese do you have favorite yeah. Chinese or Asian restaurants in Dublin oh, that you go well, to Cushing. I would oh, yeah, love Cushing to get like amazing. live next door to it and any hot pot place I'm there Jelly is a big hot pot oh, girl yeah. I've only been introduced to hot pot recently because I've I've never had it, never been to China. And we went to uh, Hailan, is that how you pronounce mm. it, on Capel Street. Mm-hmm. And we had hot pot. And I've been back twice since for hot it's pot. So, it's addictive. Oh, my God. It's so good. Jelly's an expert at hot yeah, pot. Yeah, I'm more of a, like an at-home hot pot kind oh, of Oh, really? Yeah. How do you, you need do it the at recipe. home? Do you, yeah, so you make the broth first. So mm-hmm. you can put whatever in. Um, you can uh, normally put like onions, um, potato, carrots, whatever. And then that's your broth. And then on top of that, you um, have all your meats ready, mm-hmm. um, the vegetables, and you just throw it in. Yeah. And then pick it out. You do you do it, it in like a fondue style at home? Yeah, as well, kind of. It's or? like a group activity. It's yeah. almost like Korean barbecue, but with soup. Yeah. Mm. It's such a fun way to eat. Like if you have guests over, I think it's such a great yeah, way definitely. to serve. I've never done it, but I can imagine it's amazing. Do you make yours? So the one I had in Thailand was half spicy, half mild. Yep. The spicy. Ooh, yeah. The Szechuan peppers in the bottom of that. Oh my God blew my head off but yeah. they, it was so yeah. good and the thing is with um, where I used to live um, one of my housemates was vegetarian so we'd have a vegetarian section and then the, the meat, yeah. meat section, section. Yeah. so that was really good 
That's amazing. Speaking of eating at home and, mm. and kitchen, <laughs> do you guys, um, are you guys renting or do you guys have a nice kitchen in your in your places where you live? Um, well, we're both renting actually, yeah. but um, in my mom's house, uh, she obviously have her own house. Yeah. And I love to cook there mostly rather than, you know, our small kitchen, the yeah. apartment. Um, but yeah, you know, a big kitchen gives you, I feel like more creativity in what you do because you mm. obviously have more space. And um, you can do a lot more. Um, I really love um, making bread, pandesal especially. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, but unfortunately, I can't do it in in the apartment that I'm in. It's just such a limited amount of space. Oh, and when yeah. you're working with bread, you kind of have to, you know, have that space to knead the bread. And um, but you know, I, I for personally, I think a big kitchen is is a dream. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it is. I think we all. We dream about our own houses. I know, Blanca, you have a stunning kitchen in your house. Did you, was that like a reason when you bought your house, did you buy it because of the kitchen or was it part of the reason you bought your house? It's funny that we, we, we talk about kitchens because I grew up in Central America and in Spain and in Spain and Central America, kitchens are not places you hang out in because they're places of cooking. So to so me, where do you guys hang out? When people in come your over. living room, or okay. or actually in Spain, you you hang out outside. Of course, like you're you not the gonna. Weather. But when you think about it, the evolution of kitchens, we've gone from you know kitchens being very poor and very you know not places to entertain. You know, people had like parlors or tea, like a tea a place to have tea. But now kitchens have become these places to socialize. But if you think about it, imagine like killing a kitchen, a, a chicken, or frying churros. Like definitely kitchens. Um, in Spain, you know, when I was growing up, it wasn't a place to be hanging out. And they're very private. They're very, very private, intimate spaces. Yeah. So when I went to college in America, I was so surprised that kitchens, people would go in and open the fridge in Spain. That would yeah. be, you know, when I was growing up, mm -hmm. that would be like, oh, my God, you've violated my privacy. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, Spain's most famous um movie director always has a lot of scenes in kitchens like a murder or you know people putting Sanex in their gazpacho or something like that because in Spain <laughs> kitchens are very private and in, in Central America it was where you know the people like servants would be in the kitchen so that was a big shift for me going to America and seeing these kitchens that had a living room and TV and yeah huge those double fridges and um but I love I love kitchens but I think you can be creative with very little and I've seen people who cook really well and they have the worst kitchen yeah. and I've seen people who are who will serve old El Paso out of a you know very expensive kitchen so I mean <laughs> each to their own but uh, your kitchen is beautiful I think it's nice is there anything that you would change about your kitchen oh, I think the most important thing for me in a kitchen is not the look but it's the appliances I wasn't able to choose the appliances in my kitchen but I think people they kind of don't realize how a quiet dishwasher is so important you don't want to be sitting mm -hmm. there you know or a fridge that's you know has the right temperature it doesn't have cold spots or hot spots and you know, the same with the ovens. And, and I love that side of, of the kitchen, uh, like more than the cabinets. And I, I, I laugh in Ireland. Sometimes people just get really like into the whole like, oh, the kitchen knob. But so, then they don't care yeah. about the extractor. Whereas it brings me nicely onto Irish kitchens, because I think <laughs> that uh, when you were speaking there about pri is the Spanish kitchens being private, I mean, I think 
again, of course, Ireland is massively influenced by America and the whole open pan living that everyone is now adopting here in a lot of the new, more modern houses is that big living, dining kitchen space. And that is obviously American that's been adopted here. But I think traditionally Irish kitchens were still private. They weren't necessarily. I think you would eat in the kitchen, but um, it wouldn't necessarily be um, a place that everybody would hang out. You would definitely have, you know, and there was always the good room where you'd go to have Mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, your dinner parties and things like that, which often would be off the kitchen. Um, or off the living room. But um, I do think that they were more private. I think they have been opened up of late. Um, but obviously Ireland, in Ireland you had really big families. So the whole family had to pile into the kitchen to either help with cooking or for eating it. But in Ireland now, people are obsessed with, uh, I mean, we're obsessed with owning a home. We're obsessed mm-hmm. with renovating. We're obsessed with houses in general. And I think that we are so many kitchens I've been in kind of look the same or they're these showroom big kitchens and like you said people are more concerned about I think some people obviously I'm not generalizing here Irish people sorry (laughs) to put down (laughs) but um, you know uh, more about the cabinets and how it looks whereas I think the functionality of a kitchen often gets you know people don't think about how you you know there's an actual science like I was reading up on it like where the, the sink should be where your counter space should be in relation to that, where your cooker should be in relation to that. There's this triangle yeah. that should form um, in the space. And I've been watching loads of <laughs> uh, renovation and home kind of TV shows on Netflix and stuff like that. So I've kind of feel I've learned so much about how to do the proper kitchen or how people yeah. don't do it right. But um, appliances are something in Ireland that I feel like you know, maybe are only left, you know, they can't, someone will put in like a just a normal fridge or cooker or something as opposed to obviously if someone is really into cooking, they'll put in whatever cooker they want. But it's often not the priority. The priority yeah, yeah. is kind of how it looks. Whereas um, a German, their priority would be. Yeah, or French. I think yeah. the French kitchens and I think French as well. They're, um, you know, there's a tradition of having the big cooker, which is also very common in Ireland. I mean, the Aga has kind of seen that big range, you know, that big kind of central heart or hearth mm-hmm. um, in a kitchen has really seen a return. I see a lot yeah. of people putting in a more modern version of those. Do you have those? In- I hate the Aga. I think, um, do you guys, what do you think? I just think it's bad for you the know, environment, the- bad for your pocket. It's really hard to cook in and I don't buy anything like everyone who says, but it's really convenient. No. And then when they tell me they they dry their clothes on the aga to a Spaniard, that's like, what? Like, it sounds They insane. dry their clothes on like, the aga? Like, you know, they has those rails. Have you guys ever seen an aga at no, like a kitchen? No, I'm not familiar with that. And it costs a lot yeah. of money. Sounds air. functional. <laughs> it is. And that's something. It was the kind of real heart of the home in, in old Irish uh, kitchens. And people, you know, you'd have a a casserole or a stew that would be cooking on it all day. Some people used to boil their clothes, you know, like white clothes. Oh. Like I've heard of the yeah. people I've boil those as well that. to to wash them, I guess, back years ago before um, proper wash machines and everything. So it was very much the the heart of a kitchen and people used to sit around it and at mm-hmm. night time in the evening. Rich people heat. used to sit around. Like they're so <laughs> expensive. But I think it's very kind I of mean, status driven. But because I'm more like, okay, technology has advanced. Why are we using this 
thing? You know, yeah. why are we not moving on to induction? But um, I wanted to know, what is the difference for you guys between the Filipino kitchen and the Irish kitchen? Jelly, this is for you. So um, I would say that in Philippines, you don't really have a lot of appliances. Okay. Um, the only thing you really need is a stove and maybe a rice cooker. Okay. That is all you need in the kitchen. I can um, see a rice cooker being like Yeah, that central. is a staple. You need yeah. that in every household. Um, actually, just a funny story. Um, the rice cooker that we had in our old home um, is actually older than me. Like <laughs> It was gifted to my parents during their wedding and they've kept it until I think last year. So it's a staple accessory or appliance in a kitchen for us. So Yeah, with sentimental value. Yes, exactly. And in Philippines, um, we have typically we have like an outdoor kitchen or like a dirty kitchen. Yes, I would say. Um, but here it's uncommon to start, you know, like prepping your meat outside of your house. That's just unheard of. Yeah. Um, but in Philippines, it's a, it's a big thing. And, and I think most places in Asia as well. You and call it dirty kitchen. A dirty kitchen is oh, what wow. we refer to that. it. Because it's the almost I've, I actually just saw this on a TV show the other night Sound Psychology has watched these TV shows but it was like the counter from inside the ki- kitchen continued outside and they called exactly. it the dirty kitchen my husband is Brazilian and he wants like the outdoor kitchen like that's what he just keeps talking mm-hmm. about in terms of like in Brazil the barbecue is where mm-hmm. the cooking is done um, and also he wants a sushi bar in the kitchen because he's a sushi <laughs> chef so he's fancy. a sushi chef <laughs> but uh, any other fun kitchens you've been in or you can you've seen that you think that you liked or that you didn't like or had weird things in them um not really you know like I've I've seen very little kitchens in my life and the kitchens that I've grown <laughs> up in it's such a funny thing to ask yeah, someone like yeah. what kitchens have you been in yeah like the kitchens that I've been in are just very basic yeah. you know they're very Asian kitchens actually I remember like going into my boyfriend's house and looking at the kitchen I'm like wow because he's Irish and I, I was just like it's so different to what I grew up in like <laughs> yeah. it's a bit of a culture shock almost yeah. And um, Blanca always points out, which I think is really, I would never have seen it because I'm Irish, but the kettle, like oh, if an yeah. Irish, if an Irish um, house didn't have a kettle in it. That's a red flag. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it would, wouldn't it? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, but like you probably, I mean, I don't know if it features in Asian or uh, uh, Filipino kitchens, but here. Oh, yes, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Where yeah. you have a big coffee culture. Oh, the coffee culture. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. in Spain, it's not a big my thing. My dad right? is like, oh, I'm going to put my water in the microwave. So kettles well, like have they're kind of a mo- more modern thing, but it's not like absolutely essential. Yeah, like yeah. in Spain, I would say you know people just use the little coffee, you know, the Italian mocha. Like oh yeah, that's what I coffee. use. Yeah, yeah. my friend uh, as well. When they were building their house, they put in one of those taps. That's a kettle. You know, yeah. you just turn it on yeah. and hot water comes out straight away. And I remember she said for the first year of you know, when they got into the house and everyone was coming over, the first thing they would say when they go into the kitchen, you know, she'd be like, oh, do you want a cup of tea or coffee or anything? They'd be like, yeah, sure. Where's your kettle? Like they were, people were looking around to kind of, it's coming out of the tap. What is this? Yeah. Witchery. And sparkling water. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want a sparkling water tap. (laughs) Definitely not a sparkling water person. Oh, Oh, I love sparkling water. I feel like that's such a European thing. It is, definitely. In Asia, sparkling water is not really a thing. I mean, it is a thing. You'd get it. But you wouldn't have it in your house. Oh, really? I mean, no one here has it in there. I mean, just everyone Unless buys you have bottles. Soda, like, soda stream. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or bottles. But you can actually get taps. I mean, they have them in restaurants and stuff, but you can, the same way you can put in your hot water. Yeah. It's kind of attaching a filter, essentially, to uh, a special tap under the counter. And it just 
carbonates the water as it comes out. It just saves so much money and also plastic for, for buying plastic yeah. bottles yeah. and yeah. things like that. But um, I just wanted to tell you an anecdote of a kitchen in, in China when I went apartment hunting in Dalian. So the the apartment had um, an induction hob and Chinese people obviously don't like that. So they had a gas canister and a ring to cook on their walk. So here you are like in this very fancy apartment and they're like showing you beautifully, you know, and then you get to the kitchen and there's a gas canister yeah. and they're like, oh, because, you know, we can't cook with induction. You can't cook with induction. So I thought that was like just the mindset in China. As in of they gas. can't because they just won't. It's too hard. Like when you look at a at a, a gas hob in China, like it's very powerful, the yeah. fire. And mm -hmm. here it's kind of like, oh, this is so weak. The I gas find walks fire. as well don't sit properly on induction as in the, the yeah. round yeah. based walks. You know, yeah, I think it's, meant, it's made for it's not meant for induction. Yeah, you yeah. need like it a kind flat of sits one. on yeah. the cradle yeah, of the exactly. gas top as well, yeah. doesn't it? It's it's nice like that. But um. Yeah, that I, was that shocked me. But I just um, it's shocking when you go as well in New York. You know, if you go apartment uh, viewing in New York, um, there often isn't a kitchen in the apartments no. because if you live in New York, mm -hmm. you eat out. I mean, yeah. that's mm -hmm. or you get taken, taken, take out, take out, <laughs> take out. <laughs> take out in. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's also really common that you would rent an apartment and there wouldn't be maybe just something simple like a tiny tiny bit of a kitchen but that's I've, really I've, common yeah i've heard people who just have a thermomix you know the thermomix machine the mm -hmm. german machine so they might not have like a proper kitchen but they'll have a thermomix and they'll cook everything on the thermomix mm -hmm. and that's why they call it like the smallest kitchen in the world because you can really do so much cooking on it yeah. that's another thing that's very different that in spain people everybody has a thermomix yeah like my dad has one everybody has one <laughs> Yeah, funnily enough, I actually had a friend from America come over to my apartment and he was so shocked at my kitchen. Um, really? Because he saw a washing machine in the kitchen and he just said, this is not like you don't see this in America. And I thought like this is uh, maybe it's a European thing to have a washing machine in the kitchen. Yeah. It is, I think. Yeah. But a lot of buildings in America, like in big cities, have laundry rooms and because the, the piping systems are not mm -hmm. set up um, for for having a, a washing machine. And I found that so convenient when I lived in Chicago that you didn't have the washing machine, that you could go and use four washing machines at the same time rather than washing in, in the thing. And I, in Ireland, people are also obsessed with utility rooms. It's like, I have finally arrived socially because I have a utility room. <laughs> I remember my mother-in-law is like, um, does your house have a utility room? Like we were renting for a while and we didn't have a utility I'm room. I'm always complaining yeah. I don't have one. It's so, I mean, I, in Spain, the utility room is like the the terrace that faces like the inside patio and yeah. people will have the washing machine there and they'll hang the laundry in the inside patio. Yeah. But um, some people do have to have the washing machine. But there's all these like, I think it's like the status things about kitchens and sure. it's become so codified and I can almost go to somebody's house Go there, give me five minutes, and I can draw like a psychological profile. And be like, "Ooh, this person." <laughs> Don't judge yeah. anyone who rents then, because like I mean, <laughs> no, that of course I have to kick my fridge to make it stop making a noise. But even so. just <laughs> going in the fridge and seeing what they have, and I find it so fascinating. I definitely I really think there's do. a whole thing on like you know, photographs of inside people's fridges. You can tell, or their larder, like what's in their shelves, what people keep. Yeah. I definitely think you can tell a lot by person, by the food in their cupboards, or if they're empty or anything like that. Um, 
uh, is one thing we were talking about as well, Blanca, the other day was tiles. I think in Spain, tiling, I mean, it's part of our culture and it was that whole technique was brought by the the Arabs um, to Spain. But it's it's just really interesting that for a long time you had to tile the entire kitchen, like floor to ceiling and the bathroom. And it was considered dirty if you didn't. So that was another thing when I saw kitchens that had like a little tiny bit of tiling in Spain that was like, yuck, how are you going to clean that with ammonia and bleach? Because, of course, people in Spain for a long time wanted to clean with bleach and ammonia. So the kitchen had to be easy to clean Mm -hmm. but tiling is just so beautiful and there's one kitchen that I love in Sex in the City big and Carrie's kitchen and it has these 3D tiles from Heath Ceramics in California and they're just stunning but that's my fantasy but I remember the kitchen because I just stunning gorgeous it's like mid-century these blue tiles is that in their new apartment like their married one that's like the latest It's also in the Uh, previous one. Oh, yeah. But they've changed it around in the new one. They have an island before they get a table. But are there any kitchens, like TV kitchens, that you have been like, wow, I want that kitchen? Or movies. Not in TV, but I always go to Ikea and look at their kitchens. Yes. (laughs) Love Ikea showrooms. I mean, it's great for inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, You can only dream. Those kitchens are really amazing, the Ikea kitchens. And they sell millions of kitchens. Yeah, they really are. The the one that stands out for me in TV, which you guys might, as soon as I say it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, is the kitchen in Friends in Rachel and Monica's apartment. Um, I mean, where is the cooker in that kitchen? I don't know. Yeah, the sh- you never then, see. Her I mean, cooking. for Monica, who's like always this big cook, and she always like there was always these scenes of her putting out these dinners for the friends. I never actually. I don't know where the cooker is. Yeah, but I mean, that was somewhere such a behind cool kitchen. The, but it was but such now, a cool kitchen. When you look at it now, you're like, mm, I don't know. But back then, it looked so amazing and like the blue color, purple. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it was blue. Like bluish. I don't know. Maybe it's that thing of people seeing purple and blue differently. (laughs) But definitely. And then I was trying to, I was looking at lists of different um, movies, excuse me, and things that are really, um, uh, you know, stand out in my mind. And one of the ones that I just watched this Christmas and I watch every Christmas is the the film The Holiday with Cameron Diaz and... Mm. um, Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet, thank you. And they basically swap homes. And Cameron Diaz lives in LA and she's this, uh, she makes trailers for movies and she's really rich and she has this amazing kind of uh, villa. And Kate Winslet lives in Surrey in this, I don't even know if it's stereotypical or what we think is stereotypical uh, English countryside cottage, you know. So the difference in the kitchens there, um, but Cameron Diaz's kitchen in LA I think is just so stunning. It's just so beautiful. It's big. And they cook. She cooks dinner at one point with Jack. Um, I can't remember. It was Jack, Jack Black. Black. Jack yeah. Black, the actor in it. And it just it looks so amazing. But that's definitely one of the the kind of comparison of England to America. Um, stereotypical in a movie that I remember sticking out for me. I'm sure, there's loads in like food movies as well. They're so I, I always look at the the kitchens wherever I, I, I go and I'm always thinking, oh, like look at their tiles or look at the floor and look at the taps. I'm I'm obsessed with the tap. I want to get the tap that you can pull out. Oh yeah, I've seen oh, that. Oh, with the hose attached yeah. to it. So I you never can understood kind of, why. For cleaning or for filling like um like a pot easier. Fancy Americans have a tap over yes, the Yes, yeah, I've hot. actually seen in a lot of TikToks on always in TikTok. Yes. Um <laughs> 
there's this girl, I think her name is Nabella, but her kitchen is just this all white and gold. Ooh. And it, it's, it's like when you walk in, it's like a big rush of like white. Everything is white. But her kitchen has like what you said, like a, a faucet that's just by her stove where you can fill up pots. And then in her sink, you can pull out like the tap where you can clean the sink evenly, not just like that one yeah. spot. Yeah. yeah. So that does sound good. It is, yeah. Another kitchen that stood out um, again from TV was Downton Abbey. Did you guys ever the, watch yeah. it? It's like this kind of about English. I don't know how to describe it, but like a, like a, a very rich, yeah, yeah, very rich uh, aristocratic English family. And obviously, there was a whole servant uh, staff, you know, that were part of the house, and they lived downstairs or off off the property in a different houses. But I mean, the kitchen was huge I mean there was the kitchen then there was like the staff dining room that was off there then there was like a big larder there was you know it was just it was a whole floor I mean essentially the kitchen and larder and whole preparation area yeah and there's shows where they never have a show the kitchen like um, in How I Met Your Mother like the kitchen you know it's not a part of the show whereas in France it was more or Seinfeld it was always there and you could see that he had all these cereals but that to me like I am fascinated with kitchens ev- everywhere. Like, I'd love to just meet somebody yeah. and be like, show me your kitchen. One thing you mentioned <laughs> earlier, which I feel is really common in movies and TV to do with kitchens, and that is people do get murdered in them. Oh, yeah, always. Like you Alfred know? Hitchcock, Almodovar. Yeah. They are, yeah. like, obviously sharp knives, things like that. But there's always in that movie Gone Girl with Ben Affleck I um, love that movie <laughs> such a good movie but the yeah. scene of like where they kind of the blood splatter in the kitchen that they find so they think that she's yeah. been murdered and she cleaned it with bleach so that when they put the light on you can still see the, yes. like, the blood stain and she calculated it to know where it should be all that. I mean exactly, there's yeah. often things like that but are there in all yeah. your reviews and travels going around have you noticed any kitchens in restaurants where you walk in where they're kind of you loved that the kitchen was maybe in the middle of the restaurant or have you noticed any difference, I suppose, in the way it's done in different kitchens that really stand out or anything? Any restaurants that come to mind? Um, I would say, you know, just reflecting back onto like Asian yeah. restaurants and stuff um, or just eating out and street food, you know, the kitchen would be outside. So you'd be able, it's like an mm-hmm. open um, open plan, you know, see, yeah. seating area where you can see them cook and prepare all the food. So you'd have that sense of like, oh, yeah, so it's clean here. Like you can trust this stall or and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I remember going into like this restaurant in Morocco and seeing everything being prepared from like the bread to like the I can't remember what the, they're called, like the Moroccan pots. Mm. And it was just so interesting watching like them. Like tagines? Yes, tagines. Yeah. Exactly. It was just so in- interesting watching them cook. Um, but here, not really. I don't think I've, except for the teppanyaki in, in yes. Chayo. Chayo's great, yeah. the teppanyaki there. I love that. I love being able to see the chefs cook like in front of you. Or, or yeah. yeah, the sushi chefs being doing it right in front of you and things like that. I think it's really nice to be able to either sit at a counter and get that kind of counter service yeah. food, um, which I do associate with Asian restaurants, I think, more. I'm trying to think of other, I suppose yeah. in Spain, maybe you might have tapas. In but Japan, don't do that it's a here. big thing. In Spain, it's not so open. No. no, like it would be maybe at a fair, like you'd go and you'd see somebody frying churros or frying potato chips. I love like just staring at that like huge mm-hmm. oil thing. But normally 
you wouldn't be able to see it. But I love it in Asia. I love in China when they're making um, yotai, like the churros, the Chinese churros. Yeah. I have some pictures that I took. It's almost like a geometric, like in Spain, it's, you know, this really thin batter and they yeah. just make circles. Whereas in China, it's this bad, like this thing that they roll out and then they cut and you think the end result is so similar, but the technique is so different and they just do it on the street. So you mm -hmm. can learn yeah. so much more. Actually, exactly. do you know what my favorite thing is actually is whipping the noodles in like they do that oh, in, yeah. uh, I'm probably going to pronounce this really badly, but Cheyenne street food on South Ann Street. Yeah. Cheyenne. They whip the noodles, fresh noodles there, and just watching them do that, it's like this, the stretching. Yeah. Like stretching. That's pretty yeah. common in Asia. You see them outside on in the windows, they're making dumplings. You see the old granny making them, and it's actually wow. really interesting. Um, the only time I've ever seen anyone cook outside in Ireland is during the summer. I think it was um, in Black Rock where they have the chefs like on the grill outside and you can smell the food. Oh yeah. But obviously you can't do that now because it's cold. Kitchens are definitely, the one thing, it's why we love talking about them and we wanted to talk about them is that no matter who you ask around the world, our food memories will always be tied to kitchens. Um, and whether it's cooking with your, your mum or your dad or enjoying a meal in a kitchen or being kicked out of the kitchen <laughs> while your parents cooked <laughs> or something like that, I do feel it's very much every culture has that, I think. Mm -hmm. Do you guys, what's your, to kind of finish off your your earliest memory of like cooking in the kitchen at home. Did you learn to cook in the kitchen at home or what What do you remember? Do you have a memory attached to it? Um, I think the very first thing I cooked at home was this uh, instant noodle pack called Pensit Canton. <laughs> and uh, no, actually, that, uh, my mistake. I, the first thing I learned how to cook was proper rice. You know, that's basic in, in all Filipino kitchens. Like the first thing you learn is rice and then whatever you want. And what is proper rice? For us, it's always jasmine rice. Okay. Um, it's not the sticky short grain rice. It's more like um, closer to Thai rice, actually. Okay. Um, but it's washed at least two to three times to get rid of the starchiness. And then, you know, the rice cooker does the work. Yeah. That's the proper rice for us. It's yeah. not like I've seen people strain it and I couldn't. I, it was mm. a nightmare to watch. <laughs> yeah. Blanca, do you have one? I, I, rem I always remember my grandmother. Uh, my mom and my grandmother were not amazing cooks. Um, I think that's why I wanted to learn how to cook. But um, I do. I have this image of my grandmother. She had like a toaster back when toasters, like at least, you know, not where I was living, but these toasters that just had the exposed like inside and you would use this clip to put the toast. And I have this memory of her like burning the toast, Aww. like the same as like Nigel Slater. Yeah. Um, he has that memory of his mom serving him burnt toast. I have that memory of my grandmother and I she would scrape them for me, like the baguette. And mm. then she would put like lovely like piqual olive oil. Yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, there's all those memories. Um, I just wanted to just one kitchen that's very famous is the Julia Child kitchen yes. in the Smithsonian. And she had so much stuff everywhere. And, you know, it's such a revered kitchen. But for me, it just I was like, I can't I wouldn't be able to have a kitchen like that because to clean it, it would be so hard. Yeah. But she has all these copper pots and just there's stuff everywhere. And it just I was surprised because that's to me, you know. So, um, guys, listen, uh, I think we should wrap it up. But thank you so much for coming in. What is uh, next for Foodstagram.ie? What are you guys up to these days? Are you back out? Because everything, I guess, is reopened. Yeah. 
Are you still, I know you did a lot of cooking at home during lockdowns and things like that. Are you going to continue that? Um, we paused that for a while because, you know, we wanted to focus more on like the newly opened restaurants. They seem to be popping up everywhere. Everywhere. So um, we kind of want to explore more of like the new and the best stuff in Dublin in terms of restaurants and eateries and even cafes. Um, but we're trying to relaunch our blog because I think a lot of our followers have been missing that part of us where we yeah. share authentic Asian recipes. So hopefully in the next couple of months, we'll get back onto the jive of, you know, just posting recipes and sharing more a little bit about our, our culture. Yeah, no, amazing. And the reels and TikTok videos, like, please keep them up. They all are amazing. Thank we you. love Thanks. watching them. And best of luck with it. Like, I know it's really hard to keep the content up and keep it going while you're working and doing other oh, things yeah, as well. Yeah. So best of luck with it. We love it. And we were delighted to tell all our listeners about it. And and thanks for joining us today. And if you're going to be doing any sort of celebrations with the Lunar New Year. Happy New Year to everybody. Um, we just wanted to remind everyone that uh, Spice Bags is part of the Headstuff uh, podcast network. It's Ireland's largest podcast network. And you can support us um, and the network on headstuffpodcast.com uh, by joining, becoming a Headstuff Plus member. And it's for five euros a month. Um, you can support our podcast or other podcasts, but you get access to all the podcasts. And that means the shows, any kind of merchandise if there is, and bonus materials. So sometimes we have things we can't, um, we don't have time for in an episode or we'll interview extra people or just us chit-chatting about other um, topics that we love so you'll find all of that and more up there so please do support us and check that out and you'll be supporting Headstuff as well which is obviously um, an amazing network to support um, are on social media you can find us at pod, uh, podcast at Spice Bags Pod on Twitter Facebook and Instagram you can find the girls uh, foodstagram.ie on Instagram and TikTok are you guys on yeah. the other platforms as well no we're just um, Instagram and TikTok at, I mean, at the moment the yeah. most important yeah <laughs> and um, again we just want to thank um, Dublin Lunar New Year Festival our sponsors of this episode um, for supporting us and for us uh, including our event in the program and this podcast as part of the program of this year's festivities. As I said, there's a huge program of events to check that out on their website. So thanks everybody for listening. If you like what you heard or better yet, have a question or response or comment to anything that we said today, we really want to hear from you. So please contact us at Instagram at Spice Bags Pod, Twitter as well as the same Spice Bags Pod, or you can email us at spicebagspod at gmail.com. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.